This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's time for Emergence News on Plains FM 96.9, citizen-made radio. Welcome to Emergence News, coming to you from Plains FM, Christchurch. On the program, we talk about the emergence of Maitreya, the Christ, and his disciples, the Masters of Wisdom, into the everyday world. We talk about his teachings, for he is the teacher for the new age. He shows us the things we need to do as humanity to bring about a new way of living. With me today are John and Nigel. Hi guys, what are you two doing today? Um, Peter and Nigel, hello. I was fossicking around. You're a good fossicker. Uh, and I enjoy a good fossick. <laughs> um, I was fossicking around in my collection of Benjamin Cranbooks, um, looking for topics for another program, and I came across some interesting stuff on Jesus of Nazareth. So I thought, um, leading into Christmas, mm-hmm. I would mine some of the things that Benjamin Krem and other authors have contributed to the legend that is Jesus of Palestine. Mm, interesting. Looking mm. forward to that. Right. And Nigel, what have you got there for us today? Um, well, Peter, I thought I'd follow John's lead, and he's looking at BC on JC, so I thought I'd look at uh, BC on PD, mm-hmm. and that's Benjamin Krem on personal development. Ooh. Hey, look, the world is in a huge process of change. No one can deny that. It's obvious. And with the world changing so rapidly, we have to learn, we've got to be able to adapt, don't we? We need to be able to do better than just cope, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so... I want to look at what Benjamin Krem says about personal development. And you you both know as well as I do that he talks about meditate, learn to meditate mm-hmm. and find a method of service yes. where you're not being paid yes. and you're doing something for your brothers and sisters. Super so humanity. Benjamin Krem talks about those mm-hmm. two methods of yeah. personal development all the time. What I'm going to do today is look at, I'm just going to peel back a layer of the onion and try and focus in on what Benjamin Krem says gets in the way of us. Why do we hesitate Mm. to meditate? Why do we hesitate to help our brothers and sisters? Does the problem start with E for ego? (laughs) It's certainly involved. (laughs) And it doesn't begin with C. Well, it does begin with C, and it's not corruption. (laughs) Oh, that's great, Nigel. We're looking forward to that. In fact, there's an article in the latest Share International along those sort of lines, isn't there, at the moment. Um, Anyway, we'll have a look at that later. The ageless wisdom teachings have been brought to light again only after about 140 years in the Western world. And we have to thank Madame Levatsky, firstly, and then Alice Bailey and Helena Rorick. To give an overview, we turn to Share International. And the ageless wisdom teachings uh, from ancient times, a body of spiritual teachings known as the ageless wisdom, 
and it's been handed down from generation to generation. A systematic and comprehensive account of the evolution of consciousness in man and nature. It describes how the universe came to exist, how it operates, and man's place within it. Because we often think the Ageless Wisdom teachings yeah. were released to the world in 1875 by yeah. Blavatsky and then subsequently the Theosophical yeah. Society. But they've actually been around as long as hu man human right. writing. Yeah. As long new, as humanity's been around. There's nothing the new about the new age. No. no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, very good. It's just returned. No. Well, I mean, the Buddha brought in the, the wisdom teachings, really, didn't he? Mm -hmm. um, and that's um, before the time of Christ. Mm -hmm. you know, it's uh, yeah. hundreds of years before um, BC, really. The Ageless Wisdoms has provided the inspiration for the arts and sciences throughout the ages and is also the common foundation of the world's religions. Esotericism, as it is sometimes called, is also the art of working with these energies which emanate from the highest spiritual sources. As humanity matures, further aspects of this previously hidden knowledge are released to a wider and more open manner. Throughout the last hundred years, the Aegis Wisdom teachings have been communicated through individuals such as Helena Blavatsky, founder of the Theosophical Society, and later by Alice Bailey and Helena Rorick. God and man. Esotericism defines God as the sum total of all laws, of all the energies governed by these laws which make up everything in the manifested and unmanifested universe. All that we see and cannot see, God is also the great cosmic being who ensouls this planet. Interestingly enough, I went along to a, um, an evening by Brian Cox on Saturday, and he's an astrophysicist. You may have seen him on TV mm -hmm. yeah. from time to time. Of course, he has to take, or shall I say, he does take a materialistic viewpoint, but he was talking particularly about black holes and that sort of thing. And... Uh, you know, their the theory is, of course, that we, we are possibly the only um, inhabited planet in the universe, which, I mean, is completely naive, uh, <laughs> from our point of view, anyway. I, I, and I don't know what the general population thinks, to be quite honest, but, you know, to me, it is complete naivety to assume this sort of well, thing. I think you it's know, the well, government's you know, I'm going to gonna be stronger. I think it's arrogance to yeah. think that of all the spinning orbs yeah. in this sector yeah. of our galaxy, yeah. and we're the only ones that have developed life, yeah. come on. Does it make sense? <laughs> and you of know. course, he talks about, you know, the only planet that we could feasibly visit is Mars, because A, um, Venus has, you know, a toxic environment, yeah. too hot, etc. and so yeah. forth. But of course, that discounts the aspect of etheric bodies mm. that um, right. these we have and all all the other um, great beings have as well. And of course, the etheric being means that you can inhabit any planet. It doesn't mm. matter really what conditions it's got. Mm. And in uh, fact, the sun is believed to, the spiritual aspect of the sun, in fact, is inhabited. You know, like, it's just, just sort of... Which is where the solar angels come and go from. And that's there's actually right. been NASA Which essentially photos. is what we are, yeah. solar angels. Yeah. And it's our natural yeah. energy sources. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, this just staggers me that... that um, Arrogance. reasonable people are having these, <laughs> these conversations. Or a government. Just because we can't see it, it doesn't exist. Yes, you yes. Know, so uh, interesting to see that that uh, was reiterated again. Yeah. 
Thank you. Thank you, John. Your turn now. Okay, listen, uh, as I said, I was fossicking around uh, looking for some information, and I came across a number of interesting takes within this body of knowledge. And by body of knowledge, I mean the Share International website and the writings of Benjamin Krem and others that have been collated together within either Benjamin Krem's books or the Share International website. I, I cannot recommend the Share International website enough. I mean, man, once you get in there and start having a look around... In Fossick. In Fossick. There's just some really interesting and exciting stuff. Mm. Anyway... I came across an article by Peter... It's like a massive library, isn't it? It is. It's mm. a resource. Mm. Mm. Um, I came across this article by Peter Lefheber, and it's Jesus of Nazareth and Maitreya the Christ. And it's ended up... At, it's kind of headed up as a discussion of the close relationship between Maitreya and Jesus. 20, uh, 2,000 years ago, beginning the age of Pisces. So I've just got some snapshots. I'm just going to string some ideas together, and then I'm going to finish off with uh, how Benjamin Krem talks about Jesus. Anyway, Peter Liebhefer starts, Jesus of Nazareth and the Christ are not one and the same person. This is, not, this is one of the most difficult claims for many Christians to accept in connection with Maitreya, the world teacher, and therefore needs some further explanation. Now, I guess, guys, we've been in this environment for a long, long time, so this seems quite obvious, but um, Lef Heber goes on to say, the title Christ does not refer to an individual. It is the name of a function in the hierarchy of the Masters of Wisdom that group of advanced beings who guide the evolution of humanity from behind the scenes. Whoever stands at the head of this hierarchy automatically becomes the world teacher known in the East as the Bodhisattva during the term of his office. So Christ is a job. It's an office. Right? So it's a role, yeah. Mm. So Maitreya, who embodies the energy, energy that we call the Christ principle, has held that office for over two millennia. And in Palestine, he manifested himself as the Christ to inaugurate the age of Pisces. The method he used is called spiritual overshadowing, and I think we discussed that recently, haven't we? In a we? recent podcast. Yes, in fact, yeah. even last time, I think we yeah. covered that, didn't we? So not? his consciousness informed and guided the actions and the teachings of his disciple Jesus. It was, therefore, the consciousness of the Christ, Maitreya, which was seen and experienced by those around Jesus. And I'll wrap up. Um, with Benjamin Krem's take on when that actually happened. So in reality, Jesus was a fourth degree initiate, so a very high initiate, and one of the older disciples of the Masters of Wisdom. He's appeared before in biblical times as Joshua, the son of Nun, then as Isaiah, and then again as Joshua in the book of Zechariah. In Palestine, he made the great sacrifice of allowing himself to be used by Maitreya to fulfill his mission during the three years following the baptism in the River Jordan. During his life, Jesus also symbolically enacted the five initiations, which lead to mastership. The experience on the cross was the enactment of the fourth initiation for Jesus. His birth, the baptism, and the and transfiguration on the mount symbolized the first three. Benjamin Krems talked at length about this, so I won't go into it uh, too deeply. Um, interestingly enough, um, Peter uh, Lebfeder comes back with Jesus' death 
was the fulfillment of the task for that life. And it was Maitreya who resurrected the body from the tomb as a symbol for the fifth initiation. And apparently, um, just as ascension was symbolic for the sixth initiation. Now, we jump ahead to today. Uh, The disciple Jesus of 2,000 years ago has by now become one of the most senior members in the hierarchy, the Master Jesus. He reached the state of perfection in the course of his next life as Apollonius Apollonius of Tyana. And I think, Peter, we've covered that topic before, haven't we? we? Uh, A little bit of confusion for many people around when Jesus actually became a master. It was in his next life. The master Jesus has been incarnate in a Syrian body for about 640 years. I find that a little bit interesting. Uh, During most of this time, he's lived mainly still in Palestine. However, since 1984, he's lived in Rome. The intention is that he will try to raise the Christian churches out of their state of crystallization and rivalry. I'm glad it's him, not me. Oh, he's got a big job, Good luck with that. Oh, but I'd have to say the most recent pope, the current pope, seems to be completely Mm. in line with Mm. a lot of Benjamin Cream's predictions. Mm. With the emergence of Maitreya, the Master Jesus is playing a major role for the second time, as are also the apostles Peter and John. Now, I didn't know this. 2,000 years ago, they were third-degree initiates. Now they have been entrusted with a significant aspect of completing the plan as the Master Moira and the Master who will succeed Maitreya as the Christ in the next era, so in about 2,500 years. Kutumi, Peter. Yeah, Kutumi. Uh, which I didn't realise as well. So Peter and John have incarnated as masters mm. and are still involved. Um, this open collaboration is one of the um, amazing things about the story. And when Maitreya does emerge, he will explain that relationship fully. So there's a lot of really interesting stuff happening. I'm going to finish off with Benjamin Krem wrapping this up. Um and he's, he's asked, what kind of preparation did Jesus undergo to fulfill his role as being the vehicle for Maitreya? This is back in 98. Um, Benjamin Krem says, uh, the information was given extensively by Dwal Call through Alice A. Braley. But basically, for the three years from the baptism to the crucifixion, Maitreya overshadowed Jesus. And um, Benjamin Kuhn goes on to say that his master has filled in lots of information here. But the overshadowing by Maitreya of Jesus began when Jesus was 12. Goodness. When he began to credibly dispute on an equal level with the rabbis in the temple at the time. And there is some mention of that in the Bible. There is indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This continued, this overshadowing continued until he was 24. Um, so there'd been a lot of preparation, a, a lot, lot of, of preparation, a lot of training that yeah. went on through. And we his... saw that with Benjamin Krem as well. A lot of preparation, a lot of training mm. before the overshadowing could take place. Mm-hmm. So Jesus' mission began at thirty. For the three years from thirty to thirty-three, the overshadowing is not simply an on-off overshadowing, but a perpetual process. Maitreya was there, not every moment of every day, but constantly. Some of the time, Maitreya alone was in the body of Jesus. At other times, Jesus was alone in his own body. At other times, and most times, Maitreya and Jesus were in the same body together. 
Jesus' consciousness became aware of all that happened around him and through him. He knew with total knowledge and consciousness that it was Maitreya acting through him. Of course, it happened with his complete cooperation and free will, which is never infringed by the masters. So just by going into the Share International website, picking up a few Benjamin Krems books, there's some fabulous information, backstory to fill in the legend, I guess, of the relationship between Jesus and the ageless wisdom teachings, Jesus and Maitreya. And just answers a few questions, fills in a few gaps. But the other thing too that, that it took me a while to realise is that in Jesus' story, we see a reflection of that in Benjamin Cream's story. Mm. Benjamin Cream's relationship with his master, mm. um, you know, Benjamin Cream had to be woken up he, and then there was this extensive period of training and this initial approach and then this training and then this this road to success, if you like, where Benjamin Krems up on the stage and is being overshadowed. And earlier you mentioned the word ego, and I, I always chuckle about Benjamin Krems because initially, I think back in 1959, when it was first put to him that he needed to go out into the world yeah. and tell the story, he was not, he was not a happy camper yeah, initially, was he? He didn't want to do that, no. no. Well, it's a huge yeah. challenge. The other, the other story that makes a connection is the overshadowing of Krishnamurti who was being prepared to be the vehicle for this incarnation for Maitreya. Uh, and then the plans change and Maitreya's coming. But there were physical body. difficulties there. Yes. And so when you read about some of the effort and the the, the problems that Krishnamurti had, mm. uh, this overshadowing was just an intense process. Mm. Also, for people that are listening, a worthwhile read when you start delving into the history of Krishnamurti. So, yeah, interesting, really interesting stuff about the Master Jesus. Thank you very much, Sean. Okay, Nigel, thank you. I'm going to look, Peter, today at Benjamin Krem's take on personal development, which is simply this, and this is taken out of his book, The Awakening of Humanity, and quoting Krem, he says, the best way to avoid spiritual indigestion is to make the best use of the information and to practice it. For books or information to have any use or value in your life, you have to put it into action, into effect, and actually practice the teachings. And of course, this applies to whatever teachings you follow, whether it's an organization, a spiritual philosophy, religion, whatever you follow, you've got whatever information you have, you've actually got to incorporate it into your life. And we've talked about that on this program, haven't we? Yeah. Um, first up, I'm going to talk about a question that Krem was asked, and the question asked, how do I give my Treya's teachings a place in my life? in my everyday life. I believe it, but it seems unreal. And Benjamin Krem's answer was, Maitreya's coming is about world change, a change in our understanding of the needs of the planet, the ecological balance, also a change in our economic systems, so that all people can be fed and cared for properly. A change in our relationships between people everywhere. We are not alone on the planet, and these changes will affect you and everybody else. If we can think about what is best for us rather than what is best for me, if we can consider us rather than me, then life has the potential to become a little bit easier mm -hmm. as we negotiate changing our lifestyle. And you've said on previous programs, uh, John, we need to we need a lifestyle change. Mm. Global. 
but also personal. Mm, that's right. Mm. So on the subject of personal development, I thought I'd see what Krem has written on the subject of complacency. Oh, no, Nigel. Please. <laughs> and it's very interesting, and it gets a little bit uncomfortable. Oh, Nigel. Is there another room I can go into? <laughs> Sometimes you might wonder, why do others not worry or care about the use of fossil fuels or the cruel, inhumane farming of our animal kingdom or the people suffering in countries with famine or flood and they cannot feed their children? Or why do people not concern themselves with... Um, for example, they support industries that are corrupt. The answer is this. According to Benjamin Krem, forget about other people. Stop dwelling on them. They, they, they do not think that they are in any way connected with people across the seas. They do not think that they are connected with people they do not know, or perhaps with a different coloured skin, or different religion, different culture, different habits, mm -hmm. diet, or different priorities. That is what makes people complacent. It is convenience. Krem says complacency takes you out of your true human responsibility. That's two C words. Oh, there's... It's complacency and... Corruption. Corruption, yeah, all right. And that's been a strong mantra of yours in the yes, recent programs. So, okay, so what can we do? You must deal with your own complacency. If you don't recognise it, then you cannot be free. You cannot help the world because you can be too complacent even to see the needs of others. Now, here comes the uncomfortable message. I'm feeling uncomfortable already. Krem <laughs> <laughs> says that you can sit back and make no effort to include the world. And you can do that when you have amassed a little bit of money, a little bit of comfort, a little bit of security. Yep. And then you can bathe yourself in this. Yes. And hope that the world will go away and leave you alone and not trouble you. Yes. Complacency is not wanting to be troubled by the knowledge that others are worse off than oneself. A bit like a certain hobbit slamming the door at bag end and not wanting to come out. <laughs> well, actually, I, the Lord of the Rings yes. has got lots of lots of oh, messages. Yeah. J.R.R. Tolkien. He did knew a thing ever, or did, two. There's a few initiates in that did story. Did we ever figure out his initiation, Peter? Do we know what J.R.R. Tolkien's initiation was? No, I Sorry can't to remember, get off topic but I imagine something like 1.6. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's See, in one of the that's why we keep him around, because he's probably right. 1.6, 1.7. Well, speaking of initiates, back between 1924 and 1939, another body of ageless wisdom teachings were released. Peter, you referred to this earlier, the Agni Yoga teachings through another Russian disciple, Helena Roerich, and she was a four-degree initiate. Wow. Now, she writes, karma in Sanskrit means action, work, or deed. Karma? referring to the principle of cause and effect where intent and actions of an individual influence their future. The philosophy of karma is closely linked to the law of rebirth. So when humankind realises the power of karma and strives to express the best aspirations, harmlessness, mm -hmm. their path is parallel with the universal energy. So what Helena Roerich is saying there is make it your business to understand karma. Oh, of course, because then the onus is on you to take responsibility for your actions. And you might start to be a little less complacent. Yes, mm. 
Yes, because if you are in a business making lots of money but spewing rubbish into your local stream or river... That spiritual indigestion is going to get more yes. com- uncomfortable, yes. isn't it? So actually, there is a karmic debt there. Mm. Can you imagine the karmic debt that Putin is incurring at the moment? Let's not go there. That, uh, those atrocities done in his name. Mm. Anyway, sorry, Nigel. All right, so I've got another... I've got another um, quote here, and it comes from author Benjamin Krem. He says, complacency is a fault in character. That's strong, isn't it? It's a fault in character. A sense of separation which we must try to overcome. And I've heard Peter talk about this time and time again on this program. The The subject of separation. It's an illusion, isn't it? So my we think we think we're all separate. Yes. So my complacency is a fault in my makeup. <laughs> I'm leaving. Well, I did say it would get uncomfortable. God, that is uncomfortable. <laughs> but we need to get uncomfortable to actually think about it, don't we? And to and and to actually practice the information mm. actually included in our lives. Are, have you finished? Because no. I've had about enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got one more question oh. that was put to Krem regarding complacency. Another question. The question reads, I have an inner conflict. Since I have read about Maitreya, I have become hypersensitive. Every time I see something sad or horrible on television, I start to cry. If somebody tells me there's sorrow or pain, I can feel it emotionally or even physically as if I am this person. I don't know how to incorporate Maitreya's teachings into my material life and into this material society. There is no day that ends without me thinking about the world's problems. Benjamin Krem welcomed this question. He described the question as an expression that reveals an increasingly sensitive response to the ideas, thoughts and inner meaning of Maitreya's words, therefore opening the heart. He says, and his response to the question was, this indicates a response of honesty of mind and sincerity of spirit, inherent in all of us. It is an expression of the underlying oneness and unity of humanity. Maitreya also advocates the development of detachment. The Buddhists sometimes call this dispassion. Mm-hmm. When you identify a problem, a decision is made to do something about it, to get involved in its cure. This is the first step in detachment. As medical staff learn to deal with the most harrowing experiences without getting emotionally involved, their detachment allows them to carry out the necessary work. That is why Maitreya rates detachment so highly in the qualities we need to acquire. Involvement in service is the ideal way to gain detachment. Benjamin Krem suggested to the writer of the question that they consider joining a meditation group and as a first step in the direction towards detachment. Krem also went on to say he found this question a a beautiful and eminently correct response to the thoughts and ideals of Maitreya, the Lord of Love. All this information can be found on the Share International website, www.share-international.org. And also don't forget the podcasts, which are available on the Plains FM website. We welcome your comments, questions and feedback. Please contact us at emergencenews at gmail.com. Emergency News.